The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey, and welcome to Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're excited to join you for the third podcast uh, for launching Fuel for the Harvest, where we share stories and tips and just equipping for you to become a laborer in your everyday place. Uh, We are coming from somewhere inside of Nepal. We've been spending time in the Himalayas and different Buddhist areas, and we recently spent time with one of our friends, a a young lady who's, her and her family are the only Christians in their entire village and region, and we got to spend time encouraging her and just hearing about her ministry and, and what's happening in her life, and she was sharing how she, for her job, uh, she works at a certain location, and in her work, there is persecution simply because she is a Christian. She shares how her coworkers are attempting to get her fired, and uh, they are attempting to lower her salary so that she'll quit. They want her to leave simply because she's a Christian. She shared stories when her whole family first gave their lives to Christ, how people would throw rocks at their house and put curses on their house and even be amazed that why are our curses not having any power over their house and she says that Jesus just has protected them really powerful stories um, she shares how she believes God has given her um, miraculous opportunities where she prays for people and often sees God show up and heal them in the name of Jesus and then she begins to share the good news of Jesus with them about the gospel and what Jesus has done. And even in the midst of people rejecting her and persecuting her and and opposing her efforts, she shares how there's a, a village just up from her home village and they actually know why she comes now. And so it's difficult for her to go there. Uh, last time she went, they tried throwing rocks at her and she was able to get away. Because she's going to preach the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a difficult, um, often difficult places and people that she deals with, but she has a heart for the gospel. So we were having this conversation and we asked her, hey, how do you have this courage to do this? This year you're sharing all these stories with us. Where does this courage come from? Why do you have that? And she said, well, I've just been getting up close to Jesus. I have just been spending time with him. And all of a sudden she says, I have this courage. So it's got us thinking, um, kingdom laborers, those who are out in the harvest, it often takes courage, uh, whether it's just getting over our fear to share with other people, maybe we are afraid of being rejected or whatever, or something like this sister in Christ who often is, is in, her life could be in danger at times. Uh, physically. And so it takes courage to do this at different degrees. And it's got us thinking about where does that come from? And according to our sister in Christ, it comes from getting up close to Jesus. And we just wanted to talk about that. As a laborer, it seems like 
it requires getting up close to Jesus, don't you think, Nate? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to look very long and far in Scripture in order to see how getting up close to God in the Old Testament or getting up close to Jesus um, can totally transform someone's life. I mean, so many people encounter the living Jesus and are totally changed. I'm reminded of like Acts chapter 9, for instance, where uh, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, encounters the living Jesus in a bright light and his whole world is changed and he goes from persecutor of Christians to apostle to the Gentiles, messenger to the Gentiles, and often, uh, yeah, someone who's willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel crazy how just getting up close to Jesus totally changed this guy literally from an opponent to a a proponent yeah that's interesting um Nate do you have any times I was curious to ask you when you feel like you said getting up close to Jesus transforms people and you're looking at Paul's life where he encountered the living Jesus and everything changed do you have any stories like that in your life getting up close to him how he changed you yeah Honestly, uh, intimacy changed everything for me. And when I say intimacy, uh, I just mean getting up close to Jesus. Uh, it, I grew up going to church and doing the whole Christian thing, um, but it wasn't until um, I started spending time with Jesus that my life actually began to change. Um, it was in those time. It was in that time that the Lord began to fill my heart with joy and life and and like change my views. And I used to be this guy who was totally afraid of um, talking to people, let alone talking to people about the message of Jesus. And the Lord began to fill me with courage in the midst of that. And uh, yeah, like intimacy changed everything for me. Um, Yeah. What about for you? Yeah, definitely. It's the only reason I do what I do today. It's the only uh, reason I've begun to share Jesus with other people and try to love other people actively to take places of humility to serve and not only to uh, seek self-satisfaction or self-serving purposes. Uh, I think formerly I used to do that more so uh, where I thought that I could be satisfied with a good job, a lot of money, good family, kind of all the things that I wanted, but I didn't realize that getting up close to this living Jesus, how much he really satisfies. Like the woman at the well in John 4, where Jesus gives this never-ending well of water that that you'll never thirst again. You're completely satisfied. Uh, So yeah, it's absolutely um, changed my life as well to get up close to him. It, It makes me think of John chapter 15, it seems like where it says, abide in Christ and you'll bear fruit. What does that word abide mean? It's this like remaining near to, this getting up close to Jesus, and then we will bear fruit. So if we want to be effective laborers, we have to figure out what it means to remain near to him, to get up close to him, to abide. Uh, we can't do anything without him. So what what do you, what do what does it look like for you? to get up close to him, to spend time with him. You mentioned how transformative that has been for you. Right. It has certainly been for me. What are some things that you do for that to happen? I I know I've asked it. Lots of people have asked, that's awesome. So how do I do it? Right. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, for me, it started uh, with prayer. 
and I don't I don't know if it starts that way place for everybody, but it started with prayer for me. I remember I was sitting uh, at my desk in my childhood bedroom as a 19 year old going to college, and uh, just finally was kind of fed up with how my Christian life had been, uh, fed up with the amount of satisfaction I had, fed, uh, just really fed up, feeling really lonely. And I thought to myself, you know what, maybe it would be good to just do what every pastor, every youth leader, every you know speaker I've ever heard has said to do, which is to just, you know, pray. So I remember getting up from my desk, going over to my closet. I figured, you know, I didn't know much about the Bible and stuff. So I figured if it was good enough for that Bible character, it's good enough for me. (laughs) So I go in my closet, sit down. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to do. Can you just teach me how to pray? And he did. And this crazy thing began to happen. Like I started to actually want to hang out with Jesus. Like I, I, to some people that might not sound crazy, but for me, like I never tasted Jesus in a real way. Right, because usually we talk about, oh, my Bible's dusty. I'll try to do it, I guess. I'll try and spend time in prayer, but we never talk about it like we actually want to do it. Right, it's like an obligation, like we have to check it off the list or whatever. So anyway, like the Lord put a hunger in me for himself. And uh, I began to seek him and seek him and seek him and things began to change my life. I watched him begin to answer my prayers and I'm like, what is happening? Mm. Like I had never seen God literally answer my prayers before. (laughs) This is just like my whole life was changing. And as, as I began to pray, the Lord began to give me a hunger for the word. And it was interesting. It was almost like he want I, I began to read the Bible because I wanted to communicate more with the God of the Bible. I wanted mm. to know more about him. And so I started like reading scripture together with Jesus as my prayer time. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting time of growth for me. And uh, yeah, so it was a hunger for the word of God uh, after that, af- after prayer. And then um, just kind of an urgency to be a part of the body. Um, was the third thing that the Lord gave me. Like, I I actually enjoyed going to church. Like, I, I desired and longed and interceded on behalf of the body of Christ. And I don't know, everything, yeah, it changed everything. Yeah, I, I was thinking about, as you mentioned, prayer being a starter. You might remember just when we were talking with our sister in Christ here in the Himalayas, started for prayer with her too. Yeah, She said, yeah. I've gotten up close to Jesus and spent time with him. And, and she said, for me, it's looked like, yeah, reading the Bible, but even more so really praying and connecting with him, talking with him. And she said, all of a sudden, I have this courage to go and share with people and face opposition. Right. It's, prayer is powerful and his word is powerful. Uh, we talk about him a lot, but how, like, we forget the true power in them. They're kind of cliche things. You just got to pray, read your Bible. Right. Yet there's something to that. Uh, I, I'm thinking right now, as you mentioned that, when Jesus has this conversation in John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, you study the scriptures diligently. It's almost like he's clapping his hands. Good job, guys. You're doing it. And then he says this, but, oh, there's something else. Great job. You're studying diligently, but the scriptures testify about me, Jesus said, and you refuse to come to me for life. So it's more than just reading it for the sake of reading it, to check it off the list. The whole point of the scriptures is it's pointing us to this living person of Jesus. It's like 
the Bible's the roadmap for us to encounter Jesus. It's not the end in and of itself. Right, exactly. And I think that's the key. Honestly, uh, it's it's when Jesus is the object of our affection yeah. that these things start to fall into their right place. So when when I pray, in order to be in community with Jesus, everything changes rather than praying because I, I know I'm supposed to pray. Or when I read the Bible, in order to be up close to Jesus, it, it changes why I'm doing what I'm doing. In fact, a part of my story is after this initial experience of like diving into intimacy with Jesus, I began to trade time with him for time, hmm. spending time with other people, and specifically this one girl uh, who's not in my life anymore. And uh, it, it really left me st- starving at the end of the day. And I, for a year, I tried to get back to what, what it felt hmm. like before and what it looked like before. I wanted to see the same urgency in me and the same hunger, but nothing was changing and nothing was changing. And I'm like, Lord, what happened? Hmm. And finally, like a year in, uh, I, I don't know if I just finally got the ears to hear or whatever, but he was like, hey man, like when you started this, you were doing it because you wanted me. And ever since for the last year, you've been doing it because you want to feel what it felt like or or see what it looked like. You, you've stopped wanting me. It was like it was like a, the rebuke in, in Revelation of that one church who forgot their first love. Mm. And it was, you know, a gentle, loving rebuke to just say, hey man, I'm the object of your affection. I I need to be at the center of this. Yeah, with you bringing that up, Jesus talking about that, and just talking about some of these stories of getting near to Jesus and how transformational it is. I mean, when we read the pages of the Bible, especially the book of Acts, as disciples are going out to all these places, we see crazy radical transformation. Right. Like Jesus is still at work. And I, it, unfortunately, it seems almost rare or far and few between to hear people talk like this in our day for whatever reason. I wonder if it's almost as if we're missing some piece of the gospel somehow. Hmm. Uh, as we're talking about this, these scriptures that come to mind are, are 1 Peter 3.18. Before I share that, I, I, all, all, I often ask, like, why did Jesus die? I'll, I'll, I'll think about that with this topic. And I'm sure you've heard it said. What, what do you hear people say? For our sins. Yeah. Well, he died for our sins. Well, yeah, that's true. But technically, that's what he did when he died. He took all of our sins upon himself. But why did he do it? Why? I think it was for the sake of this nearness, friendship, relationship that Jesus wants with all of us. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we often miss that piece of the gospel. We say, yeah, he died for our sins. That's it. Well, okay, yeah, and he rose from the dead, of course. We don't want to forget that. It's kind of important. (laughs) Yeah. But is there more than that? I think there is. I think the whole intention of that was that we could have a relationship with this living Jesus, and we often miss that piece. Uh, 1 Peter 3.18, it says that Christ died once for all for sins. So that's what he did. The righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus in his perfection for us as sinful beings. That's what he did. And then the next phrase, that's it, that he might bring us to God. Hmm. And, and I was also thinking of Romans 5.10. It says that the death of Jesus restored our friendship with God. So it's 
like the whole purpose of the cross was that the barrier of sin could be removed so that we could have this living friendship with Jesus. And it, it's unfortunate, but it seems like we're missing this piece of the gospel often. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like we leave Jesus in the grave. Yeah, we're living like he's dead too often. Right. But if he was actually alive, then we could actually get up close to him. Right. We could actually read the pages of scripture. And like in Luke 24, when these disciples are on the road to Emmaus, couldn't it be like Jesus walked and talked with them? And then afterward they said, weren't our hearts burning within us when he opened our minds to all the scriptures and how they pointed to him? Hmm. Could that still be possible for us today? Right. I hope so. I, I know so. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's written. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Um, I, I think something that I've found really helpful for prayer is making it a conversation. Um, it's not this method that we just have to use. Oh, we got to use the Lord's Prayer. Well, yeah, the Lord's Prayer is great. It points us on how to praise the Lord and ask for our needs and, and fight the spiritual battle. Uh, but treating prayer, like, like we say the word pray, what is pray? Mm-hmm. We're just talking to God. So uh, like if we're talking right here as we are, it, it can't be a one-way thing. We both need to share back and forth with each other. And I, I believe it's that way with the Lord where we can sit down with him and say, God, I'm struggling with this in my life, or or I'm thinking about this, or I praise you for this. And we could also expect a response from him. Right. So what would you say to people who have never heard God's voice before? Like, they're familiar with the one-sided form of prayer, like prayer in one direction from them to God, but they've never experienced the God's response whether verbal or or yeah. a burden or whatever, um, what would you say? What would you say to someone like that? At, that's a good question because that used to be me. Uh, I, for most of my Christian life, did not have any concept of prayer being two way communication with the Lord. It was just one way we say some words to God. That's it. And uh, one sermon that this guy was giving changed everything for me on that topic where he was talking about the Lord prompting him to do things and how that led him to uh, working for the Lord and all these places, really being a laborer. And I started to just pray this prayer, God, do you have anything to speak to me? And then I would listen and I would write down anything that came to mind. Now that sounds like wild and crazy. What if I ate bad pizza last night? Okay, just relax. <laughs> like I, I think we have to be careful with that, of course. Um, anything that we believe is from God must always line up with the Bible. It can never contradict the Bible. Um, But I often think that when we talk of this language, well, God spoke to me or God said, um, we make it to be this bigger thing than it really is, I think. Hmm. Uh, Like we're expecting a lightning bolt out of the sky somewhere versus, hey, his spirit lives in us. He's transforming and renewing our minds. So could we not just say, God, do you have something to share with me? Or could you guide me on this? And then ask him to, to silence the enemy, silence our own flesh, and just say, Lord, what do you think? And then potentially what comes to mind might be God's guidance. The way I, I kind of look at that is I'm going to assume that he's guiding me in that direction. And if it lines up with scripture, then what could it hurt? Mm. If it's, hey, you know what, I'm praying and, and I feel the Lord prompting, 
hey, Charlie, I want to spend more time with you. What could that hurt? Right. Or, hey, Charlie, I really want you to go share the gospel with that person over there. What could that hurt? Or and, even like, hey, I want you to get an airplane, fly to some unreached place. Like, what could already, that, honestly, what could that hurt? I mean, it might. <laughs> it, it could be costly, but it could yeah. be worth it. I mean, yeah. he's already said go to all nations. It's, it's clear right. in the scripture. So, of course, um, I, I see the Holy Spirit guiding people throughout the book of Acts after they become disciples and followers of Jesus and get up close to him. Uh, we see that, as you mentioned, Paul from time to time throughout the book of Acts. And we even see red letters where Jesus is still speaking in the book of Acts, even though he's not there with them in the flesh, hmm. which is back to this relationship thing. So, yeah, that's kind of, for, for me, what it's looked like. And uh, just asking him, Lord, do you have anything to say to me? And then being still and listening. And, of course, in those times, being in the Word and, and praying and talking with Him, but also listening to see if He has anything to share specifically. Yeah. And um, most often I've seen the, that happen in several ways. One, kind of this heavy heart burden that compels me, or a thought that crosses my mind, kind of a still small voice that was like, wow, I didn't ever think about that. Maybe that wasn't my idea. Hmm. Or um, kind of like your imagination like this picture in your head you some people you might call it a vision Mm. uh those have been some common ways and of course uh what god has already communicated through the scripture is his direct word to us the ultimate authority um and often when i am reading the word it it will be like words kind of jumping off the page sometimes and like wow that's what god wants to communicate to me today right i remember when i was first (laughs) learning how to hear god's voice uh I was super insecure, like, man, am I broken because I can't hear his voice? Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I started trying to diagnose it. Um, At that time, I was, like, in a specific kind of form of Christianity, like, learning about a specific form of Christianity, and I'm like, oh, man, maybe there's, like, sin in my life or blah, blah, blah. You know, I was trying to diagnose what was going on, why I couldn't hear him. And ultimately, what I discovered was... I think I just needed to take some time to learn what his voice sounds like. So in scripture, Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. Yeah. John 10, isn't it? John 10, 27. Yeah. 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 So like the only way to know what his voice sounds like is to know what his voice sounds like. Like you have to, you have to take the time to get up close to him and learn what it sounds like to hear from the Lord. Yeah. It's like if we were hanging out with a friend, the more you spent time with that person at coffee or, you know, playing soccer or working together, whatever it might be, the more time you spent together, you would be able to pick that voice out of a crowd. Right. Or like when your mom calls <clears throat> your name, like when you're a kid, you you hear her voice above every other voice or Even your dad's voice. Even if you're voice. lost in the store somewhere. Right. And all of a sudden... Oh, there she is. Yeah, I remember as a kid, like, hearing my dad's keys, because he always used to hang them on the outside of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what his keys sounded like. In a, in a store full of keys, I could pick out his keys. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's prayer. That's one tool. Yeah. And I think that's what we should call them, tools. Yeah. In, in order to gain intimacy. Yeah. And let, let's talk about the word next. What does it look like? for you to get into the word every day or, or what is that for you? So I kind of mentioned, um, seeing that it points us to the person of Jesus to do that. I like to kind of read the word of God thinking through 
three things as I read a passage. Most often I read about a chapter at a time, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, depending on how much I'm taking in. Uh, sometimes a whole book. It just kind of depends on how long I have and what I'm doing. Uh, but whatever passage I'm looking at, I find it helpful to think through kind of three things, head, heart, hands, or you could say head is kind of what is the passage about? What does it say? What's going on? Who are the characters? What's happening? Just sticking with the text and saying, what's it about? What is the meaning of this? What Kind of this head knowledge. And then moving to a heart level saying, okay, what do I need to obey in my life? Uh, is there a character that I'm really relating to? Or is there some sin that I need to confess or a, a command that God is asking me to obey or a promise I can cling to? But what is it from the specific passage after I've understood what it's about that applies directly to my life hmm. that's really sticking out to me? And then from there, um, moving to the hands section, uh, what is it I need to do to put that into action? Hmm. What will I do this week? And, and maybe even who will I share it with? Uh, maybe there's somebody else in my life that could be encouraged from that learning that I had from that passage of Scripture that I need to go share with them. And that way, uh, not only am I understanding what the Word of God says, but I'm actively seeking to mend my life, see myself be renewed by the, tr the transformed by the renewal of my mind by the Word of God to get up close to Him. And I think that's important because time and time again, we see an emphasis in the Word of God that says, don't just be hearers, but be doers. Right. It's so important to put it into action. Uh, and I actually think that's a way to love Jesus, to get up close to him as a friend. Right. Jesus said in John chapter 14, the one who loves me obeys my commands. Right. It's his love language, obedience. So <laughs> we want to love him more in this relationship than when we open the Bible. Let's not only read it and understand it. I think we often stop there. Great, I got the answer. I know it. Right. Okay, good. So we have the answer. So Jesus said, hey, will you get up close to me? That's what he's inviting us to. So one of the ways to do that is to walk in obedience to his word. Right. And I would say that obedience <clears throat> is kind of a, an umbrella subject to co that covers most everything else that we could talk about as far as tools. Yeah. Because like, uh, it covers participating in the body. It covers uh, worship as a form of as a lifestyle act it covers um take taking the word out in mission it covers a lot of other things um so let's dive into that like as far as obedience like why why it we, i mean you already said it yeah like it's because it's jesus's love language yeah he it, said the one who loves me obeys my commands right how do we show our love for him we obey him yeah yeah and so i guess <clears throat> another way that we can obey is by being a part of a local body of believers. Yep. And I mean, worshiping together, getting right. in the word together. Right. I mean, it's so important. I don't think that the Christian life was designed as something that we were supposed to do alone. I, I don't think you can find or support that anywhere in scripture. Um, I think that's kind of the downfall of the YouTube church kind of yeah. mentality. Certainly it's an individual thing that we need to have individual faith in Christ, but then we have to walk that out with other believers. Right. It, it's a, it's not just like a, oh, this is a perk. It's like yes. an essential core aspect of being a follower of Jesus is being a part of a group of believers who's also following Jesus. Yeah. Because it's only in that group that we can grow with each other. We can have the iron sharpening iron kind of mentality. We can have accountability 
we can like encourage <clears throat> and uplift. I mean, to me, yeah. that's one of the core essential parts of. How could you do baptism alone? <laughs> yeah, <I guess laughs> I'm gonna could. baptize myself. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I, it's basically not possible to uh, to honestly read scripture and say that you can be a Christian all by yourself, all on your own. So, yeah, I think it's it's very important. Although, it, yeah, it's like Hebrews ten twenty five. Let us not give up meeting together. Don't yeah. forsake the gathering. Right. Um, we talk about the YouTube church kind of phenomenon, uh, watch it on TV, whatever. And then we think about Christians walking days and miles and sacrificing their lives in prison and torture in all these other countries that are restricted simply because they're meeting together. Right. It's so important to meet together that they're willing to go to prison for three years or four years or, or 10 years. Or their whole life. Or yeah. because they met together. Or die. Yeah. That's insanity. <laughs> so it's 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 a bit important, yeah. um, which is why, as people share the gospel and accept Christ, then communities can be developed together. Uh, I mean, because I'm thinking about our sister who, she's she's there aren't uh, there is no gathering right. in her village, and it's very far for her to go, and she goes there sometimes, but it's difficult. Right, and uh, yet, so we can just if you're listening, pray that our sister in the Himalayas will. Uh, see some fruit that more people come to know the Lord in her area and a gathering will develop. Yeah. She has the training for it now, uh, which is exciting. Right. But yeah, I think the gathering, something else I think about uh, as we talk about obedience is going and sharing the gospel and making disciples. Um, I have found some of the times I've been closest to Jesus is when I'm fearful to share with somebody yet step out in faith and obedience to him and he guides me and he's with me he protects me he casts out all my fear by his perfect love it's like he is right there the whole time right has been some of the best friendship times with the lord is is that and i think of the great commission matthew 28 jesus said make disciples of all nations and i'll be with you always Hmm. so i think one of the pieces is yes we need to spend time alone with the lord our devotional time Uh, i think extended times where it's not just our daily, you know, 10 minutes, whatever, but we have, like, if we were going to hang out with a friend on a Saturday, several hours, maybe a whole day, where we can just be with him. Maybe that's riding a bike, going on a run, going on a hike, sitting at a coffee shop, whatever we like to do, just focusing on him and time with him while we do it. Uh, yes, on those things. I think those are key, key Absolutely. ways we can do it. But also, we need to get out into the harvest field. We need to go out and labor for the Lord. And I think as we do that, considering that we're abiding up close to Jesus while we're doing it, we, we're going to be busy making disciples, investing in people's lives, sharing Jesus with them, loving them. I think we're going to encounter another uh, deeper layer of friendship with Jesus as we do that. Right. I mean, we hear, I mean, I, I don't want anybody to feel judged or anything, but I think we hear a lot of times... You know, I just don't feel like Jesus is up close. I don't feel like he's near. And I mean, there's probably a hundred possible reasons why that's happening. But I think one of them potentially is maybe because we're not being obedient. Because for whatever reason, we've decided to just not take a step of faith or not take a risk or not actually do the things that Jesus is telling us to do. 
I mean, I, he's asked us to pray. Right. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Right. And he says, make disciples and I'll be with you. Right. So have we drawn near to him and are we making disciples? Yeah. If not, then why would we expect to be near to him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard, I, I would imagine that's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean, you can't debate scripture. You can, but <laughs> but these are clear things. Right. The good news, I think, is that Jesus is inviting us to get up close to him. He longs for it. He hasn't put a barrier there. He said, I've knocked down the whole barrier by the cross. Come up close. Uh, in Revelation he, chapter 3, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I, I, when I was studied that passage... They said that to share the meal table in that culture was to share life. Mm. And the picture is not necessarily of the lost person. I mean, Jesus is addressing the church, the gathering of believers, saying, guys, you've locked me out of the house. You forgot about me. You're doing all your activities. You're relying on your wealth, your riches. You forgot about me. Spiritually, you're poor. And so the good news is if you're saying, yeah, I've kind of forgot about it. I'm not that near to him. He's saying, hey, I'm knocking. I'm in, I've initiated. Would you right. just open the door and let's share some life together? Right. I, I think that I, I like to think of it as God is never the one who moves in our relationship. He, it, it, at the very least, he's the one pursuing us. Yeah, he already has he, moved. But he never moves away from us is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. He He's never saying, I'm turning my back on you. I, I think far more... I think the only real option is that we turn our back on him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, I, I have found that some of the times I cling to him the most have been the most difficult times in my life. Hmm. They force me to get up close to him. And I'm telling you, those have been the moments that keep me going just getting up close to him talking with him and then he'll whisper something that keeps me going encouragement or a burst that keeps me going uh and so it's not only i think it's it's we need to do it all the time but getting up close to jesus will also carry us through the hardest times too i think right and we like it's 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 almost difficult to describe with words what jesus can do in those difficult times as you get up close to him like like pure satisfaction that satisfaction that you haven't felt in any other circumstance of your life or contentment or joy or peace or i mean literally you name it things that you could just not experience in any other way in any other form of life jesus provides as you get up close to him yeah and the cool thing is it's not only for us but it's for the whole world it's for the people around us right and part of what we talked about earlier unfortunately it's not that common we hope it becomes more common um but people need to get up close to jesus and we often live like he's dead right and one of the things I think is we'll often be talking with someone about their struggles or investing in their life, and we give them our best advice. Hey, you should, you know, whatever. Or, you know what, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be all right. 
And that's the best we've got. <laughs> yeah. And then we never once thought, hey, Jesus is with us. Why don't we ask him together? Mm. Hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? Hey, we want to invite you into this situation. Could you have your way? And we start praying and talking to him and inviting that person to talk with Jesus. It's like we, we're sitting at a table drinking coffee, talking about struggles or whatever. It's almost like we could pull up a chair and say, Jesus, what do you have to say? Right. And I think we often forget about engaging the living Jesus even when we're helping other people right. versus just, hey, I've got a good idea for you. And ultimately, that's the goal of what we're trying to accomplish here in this podcast is to say, hey, intimacy is like a bedrock yeah. beginning part of becoming a laborer. I think that it's probably extre- extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible, to be an effective laborer in the kingdom if we're not being intimate with the Lord. Yeah, I mean, abide and you'll bear fruit. Right. You want to bear fruit? Yeah. Like the image there is that we're a branch and Jesus is the vine. Like just logically speaking, cutting the branch off the vine typically means that there's not going to be any life in that vine at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or sorry, cutting the branch off the vine. No, in that branch. Yeah, in that branch. There's going to... Which means there ain't going to be any fruit either. Right. No, <laughs> definitely no fruit because there ain't no life. Yeah. yeah I, I just said ain't no. <laughs> so, essentially, if we just summed it all up, get up close to Jesus. Spend time with him in his word for the sake of obeying him in prayer to talk with him, to enjoy him, to enjoy his presence Uh, We can do that in extended times. We can do that in our devotional times. We can do that in spurts wherever we go, just talking with him throughout our day. Jesus, how's this? Or, hey, Lord, I'm thinking this. Or, hey, that's a cool rock. God, nice. Great job. You know, just talking with him as we go. Right. And as we do, I think that he'll begin to empower us for what's ahead. Give us courage as our sister in Christ had from the Lord just because she began to spend time with him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us for another Fuel for the Harvest podcast. We encourage you this week to go out and spend some time with Jesus. Enjoy getting up close to him and being his friend. We'll see you next time.